Welcome to Wilderness Podcast, a passion project about wilderness and wild places, with your host, Adam Bronstein. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wilderness Podcast. If you're listening to this episode through your web browser, I strongly encourage you X out of that. And um, on your phone, if you use your podcasting app, whether it's Apple iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, whatever it is that you might want to use, if you search on Wilderness Podcast, just look for the green logo with the bear and subscribe. That way you won't miss future episodes, but also you'll gain access to the library of past episodes. There might be some interesting content there that you want to listen to. In this episode, I speak with photographers Eric Stensland and Scott Bacon uh, in Colorado with Nature First. Nature First advocates for responsible photography of our public lands and wild places through education and community. We discuss their backgrounds, the genesis of Nature First, their seven principles, photography ethics, cultural values towards nature, influencers and social media, and steering public behavior. There's never been a more important time to be having these sorts of conversations. Our public lands are more important than any of us individually, and I think that when we can accept this truth, our collective actions will reflect the sentiment. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope you find the episode valuable. Uh, I chatted a little bit more than I normally would, took a little bit for my brain to wake up, but um, anyways, we, we discussed some, some difficult topics, so uh, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll stick it out. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in, and let's jump right in. Thanks, guys, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, very much appreciate the opportunity. So if you could um, just both introduce yourselves and um, tell the listeners what your background is. Scott, go ahead. Uh, sure. So I am, I'm not a full-time professional nature photographer, but uh, I've been very active in the nature photography community here in Colorado for, um, well, over, over two decades now. Um, so, uh, by trade, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a director of product for a large software company and, um, but I still do a lot of nature photography and, uh, and have for, for decades and, um, you know, uh, really appreciate, uh, being part of a nature photography community. Um, so I've done some organization, um, in, in that respect and, um, you know, Eric and I have been friends for a long time and, uh, over the years, we've we've started to see differences um, in, in in a lot of the different places that that we've gone to visit, and that was kind of uh, some of the genesis of of Nature First. And so, um, you know, he and I uh, worked with a with a group of photographers, and and you know, kind of started off the Nature First movement. And I'm Eric Stensland, and I live up in Estes Park, Colorado. I spent many years leading development agencies in the Balkan Peninsula. Uh, I got burned out and uh, moved to the mountains of Colorado for personal restoration and recovery. Uh, found myself uh, getting involved in photography and uh, ended up becoming a full-time uh, landscape photographer uh, specializing in Rocky Mountain National Park. These days, I have a little gallery uh, here in Estes Park and a couple others and uh, sell my pictures, uh, do calendars. I write books. 
a number of things, but I spend as much time in the mountains as I possibly can. Okay, great. Uh, Thanks for the introduction. So uh, I first heard about you guys from Instagram account, Public Lands Hate You. And um, he actually wanted to be on the program with us, but we just couldn't quite get our schedules together. But he uh, he turned me on to you guys, and you know I think it's really interesting what you're doing. So what uh, what what is the genesis behind Nature First? How did it start? Yeah, uh, well, about five years ago, um, I went up to photograph one of my favorite places in Rocky Mountain National Park. It's about six miles back from the trailhead, and uh, it had the greatest. Uh, diversity of of wildflowers that I had found anywhere in the national park. And I arrived on this morning, uh, showed up to photograph it, you know, and found that that entire area had been turned to gravel uh, by far too many feet walking over this very delicate area. And I was shocked and, and couldn't believe that this remote location could be trashed. And as I thought about it, I realized that I was thinking, how do these people f- even find out about this place? How, how could people know about this? And then realized, oh, yeah, I had taken pictures of this area and I had shared them uh, with others. And they'd been in some of my books and I had said the, the general location. And it soon dawned on me that I was the one who had destroyed this incredible patch of wildflowers. And... Uh, that began me on on a bit of a journey of of trying to think about uh, the impacts that we as uh, who do uh, nature photography are having on our environment. And then about three years ago, started to hear story after story after story of areas across our globe that were being damaged uh, either by increased visitation or which uh, was partially the responsibility of photographers who made those areas known or areas being trashed just by photographers themselves. And it just seemed like we had to do something to police ourselves and to limit our own damage. And so that began conversations with many different uh, nature photographers across uh, the United States saying, what can we do? Uh, And it eventually culminated in a gathering of uh, about 12, uh, nature photographers, mostly professional uh, full-time photographers, to discuss the issues and try and come up with some solutions uh, to help us move forward. And that really was the uh, the genesis of Nature First. Um, yeah, yeah, this, this is Scott. So I've, I've, uh, I've grown up in Colorado and, and uh, you know, my parents were active outdoor people. And so, I, you know, I've, I've been tramping the trails of, of Colorado for um, for a, a really long time. And, and, you know, like I mentioned before, I've, I've, I've seen differences in places, um, you know, places that, um, were special to me as, as a kid. Um, I now have, you know, teenage kids and, and, you know, even when they were younger, I wanted to take them to those places. And a lot of those places, when I went back to them, they were, they were very different than, than they were when, when, when I visited them. And like Eric mentioned, some of it was, um, you know, just due to increased visitation. 
um, and and other you know, other times it was um, you know just really overdevelopment or people being very very careless um, about you know their behaviors when when they were visiting those places and um, I I really want to be able to show those places to my kids and 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 allow them to have that same experience um, that I had when I was a kid and and sort of um, you know build their love in nature. Uh, just like my parents allowed me to. And so, you know, being a longtime Colorado resident and, and nature photographer, um, this this was something that was, you know, just really important to me. Um, uh, just like Eric, I, I realized that that my actions of of publishing, uh, you know, locations on on my website um, and and in social media uh, very likely led, uh, you know, a lot of people to those locations um, and, and whether they were responsible, um, you know, when they arrived there was kind of out of my hands. And, um, and so, um, very interested in, in doing something to change that. Well, I appreciate both of your, your candors and, and, and honesty around this and, and noticing, uh, or recognizing that, you know, you guys have, or were having impacts and you took notice and ultimately, you know, took some care and, and felt a responsibility to, to take action. So it's a pretty crazy world we live in with social media. You know, the culture around sharing and, um, you know, propping up uh, social status surrounding that and maybe some of the more unsavory parts of our culture or human nature um, that are expressed through social media. So it's really, this is some tricky ground and it's um, something that I grapple with from an ethics and a moral standpoint myself. Um, I never like to tell people what to do, what not to do, uh, be a gatekeeper, et cetera, but rather just raise these questions and concerns and hopefully start sparking a conversation around them. Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good point and that's something that we really discussed long and hard um, when when we had the group of photographers in 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 southwestern Colorado and, and we started putting together um, the the nature first seven principles, um, we knew that we couldn't be a police force and we knew people wouldn't act positively um, if we started telling them what to do or what we thought they should do. We also recognized that you know we don't know everything and so um, you know one of the things that we really tried to do is sort of stay on the positive side of things, um, not point out everything that, you know, everybody is doing wrong, but try to give people um, sort of guidelines. Uh, this is why we called them principles. So try to give people guidelines and principles just to think about when 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 they're going out into nature. Um, and, and our hope is that with these principles sort of top of mind, their it, it'll affect their behavior right their 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 behavior and and their actions uh, when they're on these locations these sensitive locations and even after they come back home and you know decide are deciding whether or not to share those locations um that at least these principles and and the impact that they're having will be on the top of mind we know that we can't um you know be everywhere at every time and 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 protecting you know every sensitive area and we know that a lot of times that, you know, telling people that, that they're doing bad things doesn't necessarily always have a great outcome. Anything else to add there? No, I, I fully agree with that. I, that I think Scott expressed that very well about our approach. 
And what are your seven principles and how did you guys come up with, with these? No, it, it took quite a while and there was a lot of wrestling going back and forth. Um, but we began by sort of identifying the major problems that we were seeing happening, not just in our region, but across the globe. And then sort of working backwards from those to try and uh, think through what well, what approach or what mindset uh, could we have that would help us to avoid these issues. Um, and uh, so our first principle, maybe I'll take three and let Scott take three, um, is to the first one is really the overarching thing that covers everything. If we could just get this first principle across, I think we'd be well on our way. And the first one is to prioritize the well-being of nature over photography. And that sounds very simple, but in today's world where people are just often desperate to get the next dramatic photo, to have one that is going to outshine everybody else's or get get the attention on Instagram or on Facebook or wherever that might be, uh, people are going to great lengths to, uh, to get their photographs and often forget about the impacts that they're having. And so one, prioritize the well-being of nature over photography. Uh, number two is to educate yourself about the places that you photograph. We're, you know, every single environment is so unique uh, and has uh, different things you need to pay attention to. For instance, when photographers come here to Colorado and visit a little national park that I uh, live and work in, uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, they go up into the alpine tundra and they're very unaware that uh, their footsteps can oftentimes um, damage that delicate tundra and can take, you know, 10, 20, 30 or many more years to regrow uh, up there uh, because it only has oftentimes a 40 to 60 day growing season each year. And so we're encouraging photographers to just become very knowledgeable about the environments that they're photographing in. Uh, we see in the desert southwest a lot. People get out of their vehicles and run across the desert to set up and take a photograph, not thinking at all about the cryptobiotic soils that they're damaging. Um, and, you know, in Iceland, we're seeing people uh, climbing up onto the uh the delicate mosses that they have there. So in every environment, there are different things. And so the second principle is edu educate yourself about the places you photograph. Number three is to reflect on the possible impact of your actions. And it's a very simple generic statement. Um, but then we go in and define that a little bit further and explain, um, you know, if you're setting up a photograph, don't set up a tent on the tundra and take a picture of it because that then everyone else will start to think, oh, that is an acceptable action that can be done. And so it's just to stop and think, what is this picture communicating to others? Is it communicating messages that will help in the preservation of our environment or is it sending messages that could uh, end up damaging our environment? And maybe Scott, you want to take a few here. Yeah, so so Eric left me at number four, which is probably the one that uh, that causes the most controversy. But um, number four is, and and it, it's important to pay attention to the words that we used here. But number four is use discretion if sharing locations. A lot of people, when they first read that, think that we're telling them don't share the location. 
right? Or we're telling them that they can't or they shouldn't share the location. But but we're pretty, you know, we, we wrestled a long time around the words that, that we used for this. And that word discretion and the word if um, are both really, really important. Um, we know that sharing of locations can can cause, um, especially in, in um, sort of time-sensitive um, or, or, or very sensitive ecosystems, um, it can, sharing a location can cause many, many people that very next weekend to show up at that location, uh, especially if it's done by you know, influencers who have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers on, on Instagram. So we're just asking people, again, to be mindful and think about the impact of sharing a particular location may have. Maybe you want to decide that you're not going to share that location at all. We think that that's okay. Um, we don't think that that is elitist or being a gatekeeper. Um, we think that, um, you know, instead of sharing a, a, a very specific uh, GPS coordinate or trail or trailhead or a location of a lake, um, you know, you can you can put down the name of the national park um, or you can put down the name of the state or the country that it was in. The other thing is sometimes it's it's OK to share locations maybe a few weeks or months after the fact. Um, you know, th this year we saw these these incredible poppy blooms in California and everybody was posting pictures and that just generated more and more and more and more visitors if the first few photographers who showed up in that location, you know, these locations are very popular anyway. So it, it, it may not have made a difference here. But sometimes if you if you just delay your posting, um, you know, if you, if you post that fall photo, you know, the first week of winter, folks are going to realize that that, you know, that those leaves don't look like that anymore or those flowers are no longer there. And so, you know, it's it's going to it's going to help mitigate, um, you know, many, many, many people, uh, you know, going to those locations. This is one that, that, like I said, we wrestled with over and over and over. And so we were very careful about, um, you know, appearing to tell people what to do or appearing elitist or like, you know, the word you used, Adam, was a gatekeeper. That's not what we're trying to do at all. We're just trying to, you know, hopefully people will think a little bit before they share that location right away, maybe out of their excitement, right? You know, found a great location and you want to share it with people. We understand that. Uh, but just think about it a little bit. Number five is, is know and follow the rules and regulations. National parks, even national forests, uh, even, even BLM lands, um, you know, have rules and regulations and, and they have those, they have those rules for, for a reason. If, if a rope, is put up to prevent people from uh, entering a very sensitive area, then photographers should should uh, you know respect that that regulation. Knowing those regulations kind of goes back to educating yourself about those places uh, that you're photographing. A lot of times, those rules are in place to protect those sensitive areas. And if you know about those sensitive areas, and then you see the rule. You start putting two and two together and it makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, those rules and regulations aren't always um, just imposed there for no reason. A lot of times there's really good reasoning behind them. Number six is pretty easy. Always follow leave no trace principles and strive to leave places better than you found them. 
uh, we have a great partner in Leave No Trace, and and Leave No Trace has been around for 25 years. They just celebrated their 25th anniversary this year, and um, they're headquartered here in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, they're a partner of Nature First, and and we firmly believe in in Leave No Trace principles, and and in a lot of ways, our principles, you know, sort of build on the Leave No Trace principles that have been in place for a long time for hikers and backpackers and other people that recreate uh, in, in nature. And then the last one, uh, number seven, is actively promote and educate others about these principles. It's kind of fancy words to just say, we want people to spread the word. Um, we think that if more and more nature photographers have these principles on top of mind, are mindful about the impact that they're making, um, you know, in in these sensitive areas, that we'll start to see improvements. We know this is a very long road, um, but you know, promoting it to your friends, inviting them to the website to to have them join up as a member and and read about the the Nature First principles. Um, we hope that this these kinds of ideas um, will will sort of start changing the behaviors. Of, of folks as as they uh, venture out to visit these natural places it's it's a crazy world out there and we're also interconnected again social media is just this phenomenon that I, I can't even I don't think anyone can really wrap their head around it it's almost like tapping into this crazy stream of of uh, interaction and we've just never been so connected I'm a big fan of uh, Derek Jensen and one of his famous quotes is you know, his loyalties lie above all with the uh, natural world. So I always wonder, especially at this point in time, just if our actions are are really taking into account, you know, have the best interests of the natural world when we're acting. And, um, you know, our wilderness areas and national parks are, are so few and far between and, and just seeing ever-increasing pressure. You know, one side of me wonders if we should even be sharing or, or taking photos at all of these places because they're, um, and, and this is not my, this is not my stance, but you know, that they're protected, uh, without our, our taking photos of them, you know, people are recognizing their value. Um, they're already protected under the national wilderness preservation system or under the national park service, you know, by taking photos. Yeah, we are celebrating them, but the same time they already are enjoying the protections that they need so what what more can we extend to them yeah i think that that's a great point you know one of the things that we discussed as a group uh when we were forming these principles is that w we all had a desire for nature photographers to not be the problem and and that was one of the things that that really hurt us the most uh, you know being nature photographers ourselves um we don't want nature we don't want nature photographers to be the group that others are looking at that are saying you know you're part of the problem you're causing this problem we really would we would love to hearken back to the days when photographers and nature photographers were some of the main conservationists and they were leading the movement of of the conservation and the preservation for these special places and we we think we believe that that can still happen you know uh when when the nature conservancy or or other like groups um you know send out send out their brochures and when they're trying to raise money to protect these lands and protect more lands that are currently not protected 
they use beautiful photos of these places to sort of generate the passion in other people. And so um, that's one of the things that we would we would like to do. We'd like to restore nature photographers back to a place, back to like the top standing of of uh, you know of people that are working to preserve and conserve uh, wilderness and and all these other natural areas. Yeah, that's such a great point that you know folks like Ansel Adams um, were taking photos of. Uh, of the Sierras and those images played a big role in the protection of uh, Yosemite National Park and, and all these, all these beautiful landscapes. And today, you know, when there's new wilderness campaigns, um, celebrating these areas and making the case for why we should be protecting them. um, I think you make a great point that, you know, photographers can really have a an important role to play there. One of the things we really want to see photographers do is, is to become educators uh, to the general public as well about the natural world. Those of us who are professional nature photographers or, uh, and, you know, a very active hobbyists, we oftentimes have quite large audiences on social networks and that can be a real, that's one of the problems. But we at Nature First sort of see it as a tool. If we can help photographers to rediscover their role as ambassadors of the natural world, uh, they can be using their platforms to educate people, to um, share that love of the natural world, help people come to appreciate it, to stand up for the natural world, to vote uh, on behalf of the natural world, uh, and to visited it with greater care and respect uh, than they currently do. Right now, it's just uh, we're seeing a lot of showing eye candy, uh, and that's it. And so we're trying to get this our whole movement of photographers to kind of move the ball along towards more education and uh, being ambassadors for the natural world. And uh, that's really one of the at the heart of what Nature First is about. First, us living responsibly as nature photographers in our own actions, and then secondly, becoming ambassadors and educators of the natural world to the general public. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's a great a great idea, a great way to, to take this. And what do you say to uh, influencers? Um, maybe they're paid or have sponsorships or um, you know, maybe they're semi-pro, et cetera. But, you know, the, the culture out there, it's it's very confusing to me, and I and I don't want to make blanket statements about human nature, but I, I I probably could and and would be comfortable standing behind them, but I really don't want to do that right now. Um, but you know, how do we reach these individuals who have such large f- numbers of followers and and influence, and and really convince them that this is this is the right thing to do? Well, one of the things that we discuss from time to time is uh, getting some of these larger companies that are the sponsors behind them on board with Nature First principles and encouraging their influencers uh, to abide by those principles. And I think uh, I think that, in, in one sense, could be a, a very effective way to begin to address this problem. The other thing is is 
there's 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 not necessarily the 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 nature first mindset really sort of we don't believe is is top of mind right now it's 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 certainly top of mind for for a subset of the population and, and nature photographers but we think by spreading this movement that we can actually use social media and we can use the sort of pressure that that can create for uh, you know, a lot of the influencers to start to understand, right? If it's if it's cool to stand up for nature first principles, um, and that's going to gain you more followers because that's where the mindset is going. Um, you know that that's the kind of thing that we that that we want to generate. The other thing that I would say is I I believe that influencers that that do photography in in, in wilderness and and nature. I feel that they have a responsibility. They're they're making their living, they're making their name, they're making their fame by posting these these beautiful photos and and I believe that they have a responsibility to care for and 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 respect um, the places that they're photographing that that they are basically using um, to you know to to sort of build up their name and, and their career. So I, I feel that they have that responsibility and I think a lot of them, I don't I'm, I'm glass half full kind of guy, but I, I would think that if we put these nature first principles in front of them um, and 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 they got to read about them or, or they were you know were explained, uh, you know I, I have a I, I have a hard time believing that most of them would just turn it down flatly. So, um, you know, again, education is, is a big part of, uh, what we need to be about. Do you offer any sort of training or are you thinking about, um, maybe doing some seminars, uh, meetups, that sort of thing, or are you already involved with this sort of stuff? Yeah. So, um, so we're pretty early, um, in our, in our organization and we're actually really, really small, um, so we only have a few people, but uh, yes, we have plans to to do some education. Um, we we see that on uh, on a on a number of different fronts. Um, we'd love to be involved with photography conferences. That's a great way to reach a lot of people all at once. So that's one way that that we would like to uh, sort of uh, get the word out and and do some education. The other thing that that we're planning on doing is um, having a partner program for uh for folks who who run and and own uh photographic workshops we think that that's uh, an amazing opportunity for them to sort of over and over in small with smaller groups of people with groups of you know 5 10 15 20 in a, in a photo workshop um be able to put nature first principles uh you know out in front of that group uh even even run their workshops uh, ensuring that the, that they're adhering to the principles and that those photo workshops, when you show up in, you know, a couple vans with, you know, 15 people, um, that they're, that they're being, you know, aware and, and, and careful about the impact that they're making, um, at that particular location. Uh, we see that as a huge opportunity. So those are a couple of things that, that we plan on doing as we move forward. Um, the other thing is that, we are looking for what we call a community advocate. Um, we think that having um, community advocates in many different locations and regions all over the world, um, they'll help spread this, they'll help spread the word. 
um, not only in English, uh, but in German and French and, and, and all other languages, having sort of that local presence on the ground um, and, and as, a, as an advocate um, and as an ambassador for Nature First uh, will help uh, sort of spread this education. So there's kind of three ways that we're looking at education right now. And um, we, we get lots and lots of ideas uh, coming to us from, from various folks. Uh, but again, I said, uh, you know, we're a very small uh, core organization right now. And so uh, we're looking for folks to uh, help us out with that, especially at the community advocate level. Yeah, sometimes I, th- I think back about sort of how it used to be before social media and the Internet when, you know, somebody lived in an area, they would get to know the ecosystem, they started, they would develop a, a deep connection with the land, whether it's wilderness or a national park or, or maybe just the, you know, the forest at the end of the road. And people would develop an ethic. And if you found something special, you tended to keep it guarded. You tended to keep a lid on it because you knew that when a bunch of people found out about it, they would want to share it with their friends and their friends. And then all of a sudden you've got a tragedy of the commons situation. So now with, uh, with social media, it's like tragedy of the commons exponential. Um, I don't know quite how else to, to, to say it, but, um, you know, also when you have these influencers that have just so many followers, um, and then maybe they're just getting into nature photography. They've sort of switched their gears a little bit, and they haven't necessarily developed that set of ethics to really understand the true value of the resource that they are sharing with people. And, um, you know, this is sort of a gatekeeping issue, I suppose. But, you know, at the same time, like, you know, fishermen aren't telling everyone where their fish are um, because when everyone when everyone else shows up, those fish are gone. Um, I suppose I suppose there is a selfish component to that, but there, it's also just having a deep love and respect for that resource. And you know, there's uh, what seven point seven billion of us now on the planet, and uh, we we need to really think about how we're going to protect these places just for nature's sake. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I it's it's interesting. Um, how things have changed over the last years. I think with the rise of social media, that instantaneous like and sense of approval that it gives makes people want to uh, to share some of these things that uh, they wouldn't have previously done. And uh, it, it re- I think the longer-term thought process oftentimes goes out the window in favor of that short-term ter- uh, endorphin uh, rush of uh, seeing someone approved or liked what they shared or uh, the information that they gave. I guess and one of the other things that I've been noticing over the last years, um, I, I hear some of the rangers around here refer to it as the urbanization of our of our wilderness areas. Um, getting lots of people uh, who uh, regular visitors as well as photographers coming out to the wild lands of across the globe that really have had uh, little connection to the outdoors before this. Uh, they they haven't spent the time like you did growing up or like I did uh, and Scott uh, 
And so they're coming out here without the real understanding of how things work. Um, we find here in Estes Park, people really can't fathom the idea of a wild animal. And so we have people going up to try and pet the elk or, um, you know, put their child on the back of a, uh, of a, of an elk, um, that's in the park to get a picture of them. You know, it, it there just isn't that connection and understanding of, of what it means to be wild or what it means to be wilderness. And so I think we're seeing that play out in a lot of, uh, uh, of our wilderness areas, and we're seeing this influx of people that really don't know how to relate to it. It isn't necessarily a willingness or desire to damage it, or it's just a complete lack of understanding or connection to it. Um, probably a lot like I feel when I go into the inner city, and I'm I'm pretty much lost. But uh, it, it has been a real change over the last decade. Yeah, I can I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. And this is a lot of people's first introduction to wild places and um, love of wilderness. They say, or uh, Roderick Nash, uh, author of um, Wilderness in the American Mind, likes to say that love of wilderness started in the cities. And um, you know, certainly the people who who lived out in the out in the woods and and on the frontier, you know, had a love, but it really didn't get romanticized. Um, quite in the same way because people weren't living on the landscape and really struggling to survive. So this love of wild places and wild things, um, a lot of it does come out of our cities and, and urban people who are really longing for that sense of connection with the wild. So it's very understandable that when they see they're inundated with pictures of these beautiful landscapes and they want to come out and recreate that experience and, um, you know, sometimes it's a monkey see, monkey do. I got to get that same shot and 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 really relive it. So this these are the mechanisms by which people are first relating to wild landscapes, and um, it's certainly not a natural introduction. It's uh, it's via a smartphone, and then just going out. And you know, sometimes people do get into into trouble, um, you know, for their personal safety, but also they will they will damage these areas. It seems to me that at its core is um, introducing people to nature in in a way that that is outside of of our of our social media and uh, digital digital lives. Yeah, and there's you know again there's a there's just a fantastic opportunity there because there is a, a large portion of the population that that doesn't get to spend time in nature and 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 for the folks who do. They know how restorative it is. They know how um, how it can just return beauty to your life. Um, it can it can give you a you know a connection to to the place that you live. Um, you know even even if it's even if it's just around and and outside of the city, and it can make you happier. And and so you know more and more people getting out in nature, I think, is a is a good thing. It's more and more people making that connection. It's more and more people um, hopefully realizing that value, um, you know, and again, maybe sharing it with their children. So I think that that's a good thing. But I think you're right, Adam. I think it, it's it's the way in which they discover it and the way in which they're introduced to it. And, and um, if we can find ways to make that positive, 
so that they have that wow moment and they feel that connection and 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 they you know it, it makes that impact on them right and and on you know on, on their lives then um and and what if we can do that while reducing the impact on nature that's that's sort of the that's that's the nirvana right that's that's what we're really shooting for and one of the things i really grapple with too is um you know, preserving the wilderness character of our wilderness areas and also in our national parks too you know, most of uh, most of yellowstone is is managed as de facto wilderness and if you read the charter of the national park service you know they talk about protecting the landscapes and the wildlife so I don't know how we balance this introduction of new people to nature, which I think is great and super important and kind of gets at the root of a lot of these issues we're talking about. But at the same time, protecting the wilderness character uh, of, our, of our most wild landscapes and um, recognizing that we need to show restraint and that uh, you know, promotion of these places uh, does have a negative impact on them. And um, that the presence of, of humans, especially a lot of humans, is uh, in many cases very detrimental to wildlife and also to the very – it flies in the face of the concept of wilderness itself. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in wilderness and um, one of my very and – this, and, and this was taught to me by my father, but one of my very favorite things is um, when I am out in the wilderness – um, when I'm, you know, backpacking, especially if I'm staying overnight, um, packing up, cleaning up, leaving that place and taking a look at it and sort of ensuring that nobody can tell that I was ever there so that the next person who comes, they come in and they say, Oh, look at this, look, you know, look at this wonderful, you know, wonderful place to camp under, you know, under, under this beautiful tree, not knowing that, that I was ever there, if I was there one day before them or, or one week before them or, or three years before them. It's, it's one of my favorite things. And I think that preservation of, of the truly wild places that we, that we still have um, is, is very, very important. And the consequences are really being felt now. I live in the Bend, Oregon area. Have you guys been out this way yet? Yeah, beautiful part of the country. Yep. Yeah, we get a lot of press, and people do move here for the wild landscape, et cetera. Um, but the wilderness areas are actually pretty small in Oregon. We're not as green as people think we are here. And the uh, Three Sisters Wilderness is right at my doorstep here. And the uh, or the U.S. Forest Service uh, are imposing a limited entry permit system here. And, um, you know, these areas are under tremendous pressure from visitation. And... At the end of the day, I think it's the right decision to be doing this, but it's also it's also quite sad that it's come down to this. Um, the commodification of nature um, is is a problem, but you know it's also people are are coming to enjoy it, which is also great. But I fear that um, overexposure of these areas across the country is just going to lead to more and more situations where these permit systems. Um, must come into play in order to protect these areas. And, you know, maybe that's just the natural course of things. But for instance, I'm seeing the uh, Wind River Range get massive exposure on some big, big Instagram accounts. And um, some of the places there I, I know quite well. Um, and I, I was visiting in my youth and backpacking out there, and I would see wolverines and grizzly bear. 
And, uh, you know, some of these animals are starting to get um, pushed out of these places. And um, I just think it's a matter of time before we start seeing more and more of these permit systems. And I don't know what to do about that. I'm not sure that any of us do know what to do about it. it you know, I live right here at the entrance to Rocky Mountain National Park, and uh, they have those same discussions every day. Uh, they've got committees working on it, trying to figure out uh, how to deal with it. And this is just happening all across the globe. Um, I'm hearing about it in New Zealand. I'm hearing about it in Norway. Um, and if you come up with a solution, I would I would love to know what it is, um, because we don't want to lose our wildlands, and uh, I don't think we can hide them anymore in our networked world. I think even if all photographers were to stop, um, professional photographers were to stop sharing, there would still be a ton of information out there about these places, uh, and and it's heartbreaking. I. I it's it's a real struggle and so i know here in the rocky mountain national park they're looking at that same type of permit system and discussing how it could possibly work uh, for the different areas that we've got and i hear that all over the place uh yeah this is you put your finger on the main challenge that we face today with our wild lands Uh, all i can say is the ones that are off the radar we just need to keep them off the radar I don't know. Scott, do you have any thoughts? Well, and I, you know, I just, I just hope that, um, you know, that through education um, and, and outreach that uh, we can lessen the impact on those areas that are already well known. Um, you know, as, as far as, you know, permitting uh, new areas, I, I agree. I, I certainly don't have any solution there. You know, there's a, there's, there's kind of a, there's kind of of a, a continuum, right? Of of natural lands, we we have the nat we have the national parks, which you know Adam you used the word commoditized. You know they're they're almost they they have been they have been built up to the point where they can handle certainly more people than like our wilderness trails can. Um, but you know how many more people can they handle even even at that scale? But they're sort of at one end of the continuum where they're. It, it, they're already built for sort of built for the masses, you know, and, and then you, you know, scale it all the way back to, um, you know, to, to wilderness areas or areas that aren't even protected as wilderness areas that, you know, just are wilderness because they are off the grid and have no trails and, um, you know, are, are far away from roads. Um, you know, so, so what do we do? How do we manage those, um, I'll be honest with you. I don't know a lot about land management, and and I think it's a really tough uh, question in in this day and age. I think you're you're spot on with the national parks, and you know the infrastructure seems to be more in place there, um, where people can can visit certain overlooks, and it's sort of uh, managing the traffic, and uh, people get to you know can have a little taste of nature in that way. And if they want to get off the beaten path, there's plenty of trails that they can take and leave you know, 99% of, uh, of people behind. Um, my big concern is with wilderness, like we mentioned before. And yeah, there really, there really are no easy answers here, but, um, I think we need to develop, you know, an ethic around, um, these places and just how special they are. And, you know, maybe, maybe just celebrating them through, through photos and without, without geotagging them is, is a, a great way to enjoy it and and also just to 
take a step back and and really just enjoy it yourself while you're there. It's almost, you know, like when you go to a, a rock concert now, everyone has their phone up and they're like living vicariously through their through their phone and they want to share this on social media later, but they're not living in the moment, right? They're not taking that time and and to really take stock of what they're experiencing. And um, that that really concerns me. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's just a, maybe it's just a matter of, of having these discussions and, you know, trying to, to talk to people, reaching them in, in some way. But again, I, I don't claim to have, it, you know, all the answers and I know you guys don't either. So I certainly don't want to come from that point of uh, saying like I do, or, or that there's a certain set of, of rules to follow. But, um, you know, when I go to a wilderness area, I would, I'd rather have solitude and less people and be able to visit it maybe once in my lifetime than be able to go every weekend and, and just have it be overrun with people. And, you know, maybe that's okay. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I know Eric has, has experienced this too, you know, as, as nature photographers, um, you know, it's, it's one of the primary reasons we go out in, into nature and, and, and hike, you know, hours and hours on the trail and, and, you know, you know, go in, go into the wilderness. But I've had many, many situations, um, where I've, I've got my camera set up and there's this incredible scene unfolding, you know, before me and, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to capture a photo of it. And then at some point, uh, you know, maybe I've got a photo that I'm happy with, but sometimes I, I, I just stop in my photography and just wonder, just, just, I'm just filled with wonder of, you know, of, of what's happening, you know, before me with the light and the clouds and the sun. And, and, um, to me, that is like, that is how I prioritize nature over my photography. Sometimes I'm just so overwhelmed by the nature of the place that I'm in that my photography just matters much less. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't have huge Instagram followings or Facebook followings or anything like that. So I guess that's not something that I have to worry about. I take, you know, I take photographs for my own pleasure. It's, it's not part of my income or my business. Um, but, um, you know, I know even people who are full-time professionals are just sometimes, um, they're in, they're there because they love being in nature and, um, they, they love the nature of the place that they're in. And, and the photograph is, is, you know, even though it's very important to them and it may be, um, putting food on their table, it's, it's still not as important as, as the place itself. Well, and I think you'll find most photographers would say there are better ways to earn money than, uh, than this. So I, I think most photographers are out there because of the love of the natural world rather than trying to make an income because it, it's definitely it's a stupid way to make an income. Um, I can speak from experience, uh, <laughs> but it is, uh, it is a, it's all about being out there and, and experiencing, uh, just photography gives you the opportunity to go to places you might not otherwise go. And just to sit and watch the, uh, watch the beaver, uh, building its lodge or, uh, watch the eagles, uh, up in the trees, feeding its young uh, from a distance while you just uh, uh, listen to the silence. Uh, I think our, our society is starved for silence and for beauty and for uh, connecting with uh, what's inside of ourselves. Um, we end up living really shallow lives because there is no self-reflection. 
And I think most uh, photographers who are involved in this in any serious way are, are out there in the natural world uh, for those reasons. And then they end up falling in love uh, with the natural world, with, with the ecosystems as they begin to uh, uh, understand them and how it all works and, and where band fits in it. Uh, it. It's an amazing thing. Um, and I think photography has opened up the world and a love of the world to many people um, and created healthier people as a result. I think we just need to help redirect this so that we're more conscious of, of our impacts on the environment and uh, doing everything we can do to uh, protect and preserve these special places that we have left. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, that, that sums it up really nicely. Um, photography is a great conduit for people to explore the world and in our wild places. And, uh, I've, I've enjoyed shooting photography myself. And, um, you know, sometimes you do sit down and just kind of wait for that moment and, and try to take it all in and try to figure out exactly what it is that you're, that you're looking for. And, uh, it's not always, it's not always apparent right away. Uh, do you guys have, um, anything else you'd like to add? I, I do want to make sure people get your website address, but, um, any other, uh, any closing thoughts or statements? Well, we'd, we'd certainly love for, uh, you know, all of your listeners to check out our website at, uh, you know, naturefirstphotography.org. The, the Nature First Seven Principles are right there on the website. We've got more information, more sort of descriptions. Uh, you know, Eric and I gave sort of a, a few of our thoughts behind each of the principles. We've got more information there. We've got uh, an, an FAQ uh, people usually have lots of questions like, you know, is this good? Is this bad? Is this, you know, breaking a principle? But, you know, we, we really are, you know, using those principles as guidelines. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely uh, encourage folks to uh, to check out the website, um, learn about the principles. Um, and, and boy, we just we would be thrilled if if more and more folks would, um, you know, start following these principles and, and start spreading the word. Um, we do have a, a membership page. Um, membership at Nature First is free. Uh, it's it's basically uh, sort of an acknowledgement that uh, that you're in it with us, uh, that that you believe uh, the same things that that we believe, and and uh, are you know making your own kind of commitment to uh, you know to practicing the Nature First principles and and uh, you know hopefully spread the word. And so there's a join page. Um, when you join your, your uh, name and, and if you have a website, uh, can be displayed, um, on, on the website there in the member list, it's, it's getting longer and longer. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's what we would encourage folks to do. Um, some people are going to want to get more involved with that. And, and like I mentioned before, we're, we're very open to that. And so, uh, you know, feel free to uh, click on the link in the menu to uh, get involved and, and uh, sort of check out more about what we're doing. And uh, just a couple other things to mention. Um, this isn't this movement really isn't just for professional nature photographers or, or really serious photographers. It's for anyone who takes photos in the natural world uh, to give some consideration to their impacts. And uh, so we would invite anyone uh, uh, who is out there taking pictures, which which actually is most of us. Um, uh, to uh, consider, read through our principles and consider joining us. If you are pretty serious into photography and uh, want to be a part of this, not only sign up as a member, but we also have regional groups that we're starting 
um, that you'll be able to find on Facebook in the coming weeks. And uh, we've got them for the Pacific Northwest and the Desert Southwest and the Rocky Mountain region and the Southeast region. And we're also starting up in a couple other countries at the moment. Uh, and so we'd invite you to join us on that. But uh, I think that's all all that uh, we have to say. But uh, thank you, Adam, for this great podcast and for letting us uh, be on it. Well, thank you, Scott and Eric. This has been a really great conversation and it's gotten me thinking in some different ways too. So I really appreciate the uh, brain stimulation and I hope that my listeners out there um, are able to uh, take a few things away too and uh, able to reflect a little bit on some of the topics that we we discussed here today. So uh, if you guys wouldn't mind just sticking around here for a minute uh, after I uh, shut the recorder off. Uh, I got a an idea for you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for your time, and um, I really wish you luck. And it's a great thing that you're doing. I think it's a I think it's a big service to everybody and our public lands. Yeah, again, Adam, we we really appreciate the opportunity, and um, you know appreciate you asking us and and, and reaching out to uh, uh, you know to to sort of initiate this thing. Very 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 good. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wilderness Podcast. You can find us online at wildernesspodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe through your podcasting app. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit wildernesspodcast.com backslash support. Thanks for listening.